Hello and welcome to this episode of Accessible Theology, where we will be doing another three-minute theology, and today Michael is stepping into the ring, Mm -hmm. and we don't know what he's going to be talking about yet, but we're going to pick that here shortly. Uh, I like to talk, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I was surprised that you were the first one to to not take the full three minutes, (laughs) but I did eventually. Yeah, I I know, (laughs) I know. That was, uh, that was, I was definitely shocked by that, but, uh, we've been having fun. Hopefully you've been enjoying our conversations and hopefully they've been beneficial to you. Um, we definitely want to make theology accessible. Uh, and so that's what we're after, uh, here in the accessible theology podcast. Now it's time to turn to the random number generator. Our uh, list of topics is down to 19 now. Um, And so we have number eight on our list coming at you today. And we have adoption from Galatians chapter four, verses five to seven. I'm going to turn there. It's Galatians four, five to seven. I will read our passage for us, and Michael will step into the ring to tell us about the doctrine of adoption. Uh, So again, Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 to 7 says this. I'll back up a little bit. Uh, Verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Michael, your time starts now. All right, so adoption, this is a wonderful reality that is Purely a new covenant reality, we would argue here yeah. at Accessible Theology. Uh, I'm going to butcher the exact quote, but J.I. Packer has a wonderful quote on the fatherhood of God being the new covenant reality. And he yeah. says that there is nothing that makes the new covenant more new or more vibrant or more um, enlivened than the reality that we are adopted by God the Father. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. And we can do that, as this text says, because the spirit of the Son of God has been poured out into our hearts. So adoption is directly tied with our union with the son. Mm -hmm. So because the son is the one to whom we are united, we are made sons of God. And don't miss the significance here. Paul is talking to both men and women, and he says it, male or female, if you're a Christian, you're made a son of God, which is Mm -hmm. a, which might be a weird concept to hear, but this is why that's significant because in the context he's writing, Sons were the ones who received the full inheritance. Sons were the ones who stood in line to receive all the blessings of the Father. And so when you are called a son of God, there's a really good uh, Desiring God article out there you should check out. It's called When Sons, or When Daughters Are Sons or something like that, I think it is. But it, it really is capturing this reality that there's such good news in the fact that all of us are sons of Halfway God there. because we have the spirit of the Son dwelling in us. Now, mm-hmm. this doesn't do away with gender distinctions. We're not saying that, mm-hmm. but it does encapsulate this amazing reality that we all inherit 
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places because we are united to the Son by the Spirit of the Son, mm-hmm. to the glory of the Father. And, and note the glory that is found that we can cry out, Abba, Father. This word Abba is an intimate term. Um, I think some have almost sullied it by trying to say it's the same as saying daddy. I don't think mm-hmm. that's it's mm-hmm. get this Abba term is one of a father who is loved. He, the kind of father that, you know, the children don't cringe when he comes into the room, but the one, the kind of dad that when he gets home from work, the kids run and jump on him. This is the kind of picture we want, that there is an intimacy and a joy found in this relationship with our father. And we've been brought into his family because he sent Jesus to purchase us. Um, in, in the context which Paul is writing, uh, adoption was you were given the full status seconds. of an actual blood son. Mm-hmm. So in this Roman context, he's writing in this Galatian context. It is this is an amazing legal spiritual reality that Paul is getting at that when you're adopted by faith through the Son, so that you can have God the Father as your Father, that Ten you seconds. have every right and privilege in the heavenly places given to you by God. With time to spare, nonetheless. Great explanation. That you know that that is uh, hopefully helpful uh, to not only you know you right here right now, but is a future reality that you can come back to, uh, even as we discuss it a little bit more. And you know what? Uh, I've got a lot of questions about uh, this topic of adoption. Okay. Um, I'm uh, writing a paper on it, as you are aware, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, you know, I, I just I just need some help. I need some direction, okay, maybe right. some ideas for my yeah. paper, and yeah. and it's something that we can we can talk about. So, if you cite me. okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll give you I'll give you a shout out on yeah. the title page or something. I am indebted to Michael, um, and so adoption is something that uh, you were very clear is a new covenant reality. Uh-huh. What do we do with some of the adoption language that exists in the New Testament, or the sorry, the Old Testament, uh, where it's speaking of you know either the Davidic king or the nation of Israel, uh, my my son, I called my son out of Egypt, that yeah. sort of stuff. What 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 do you what do you have to say about that? Yeah, in the Old Covenant, when it speaks of adoption, it's more mediatorial is the yeah. word we'd use. So in the Old Covenant. God interacted with his people and related to them through kings. He, like in the yeah. old covenant, you had priests who would stand before you. It, whereas, so think of it in the new covenant, we are all priests. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reformation brought about the renewal and the reclamation of this idea that the priesthood of believers is a new covenant reality, that we all are priests. We don't need yeah. to go to a priest. And in the same way, uh, in the old covenant, when it speaks of my son, he's speaking about the Davidic dynasty the kingship yeah. of david and then um when he talks about out of egypt i called my son well that's a direct reference to jesus who is our mediator and so what happens then in the transition in the new covenant the big difference that we need to capture is indwelling which is mentioned in this text is that there's a substantially new understanding which is that the spirit of god dwells in us so that he, the spirit is no longer looked at where his presence is favorably experienced in the temple as it was in the old covenant, but that we are all made mobile temples of the Holy spirit. And what that does, what that imagery does and what Paul does with here in Galatians four is he says that the indwelling Holy spirit makes us sons because the Holy spirit unites us to the son in such a way that we have direct access to God now. And that's the, one of the key distinctions in the old covenant, they did not have, directs access to God. So when he speaks of, uh, there, there really isn't much language at all in the Old Testament. I, in fact, I would I would argue 
there isn't any that references just the regular uh, layman in Israel's in, day yeah. going to God or having an experience with God as father. It's yeah. only the king. Yeah. And so, but all in the new covenant are sons. Right. And so there, the new covenant really is the fulfillment and the, uh, yeah, it's the telos of that goal, which mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. mentioned in the old covenant, but it's fulfilled when Jesus comes. Yeah. We are now united to him and thus brought into all these amazing realities. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this is recorded so that I don't have to take notes as you're talking. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's, there's a quote that I thought of um, that Dr. Wellam quotes in Faith Alone from uh, Guy's last name is Yeremias. It's in a book called The Prayers of Jesus, where he says, There is no instance in the prayers of Israel of anyone addressing God as Father. Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, think of the Psalms. How many Psalms yeah. are written? And if anyone would be referring to God as Father, would it not be David, who's after his own heart? Exactly. And yet he doesn't. And yet Jesus, yeah. when he's praying, yeah. All he can say is father yeah. and father. And then we're brought into that triune reality yeah, yeah. by the work of Christ yeah. and the spirit's application. That's, that's so big. Uh, so uh, you took, you took one of the questions I was going to ask about, should we translate Abba daddy and yes. just said, no. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to combine my, my, the last two questions I was thinking into one uh -huh. uh, because it might, uh, might take up a lot of time. We'll see. Uh, there's a quote from Adolf von Harnack who wrongly says uh, that the fatherhood of God is universal as is the brotherhood of man. Um, and so he looks at the creation uh, of, of all things by God and says, therefore, God is father to all, which in some sense is true. Ephesians 3 talks about uh, the fatherhood of God in, in, in a more universal way. Uh, but Bavink understands it in, in a way that he says um, nature is restored by grace. And so can you talk about maybe the differences in the fatherhood of God by virtue of his creatorhood and the fatherhood of God that comes, as you've explained, through adoption? Yeah, I, I do not see in Scripture the mentioning the connection being made between God as creator and therefore he is God as father. Right. Um, that is just not there. Mm -hmm. um, Romans 1, that they knew God, but they did not you know, honor God as they should have. Like there's right. a very. Uh, so if you look at Genesis 1, for example, when God is creator, it starts in, in chapter 1. It uses the word Elohim mm -hmm. alone to suggest that God is sovereign, creator, powerful. All these things are true and good. Yeah. But then in, in chapter 2. The emphasis is on the creation of Adam and his relationship with Adam. And there the, the covenant name is evoked and it's Yahweh Elohim. And so you, what happens is that the, the covenant name of God, which um, we know is also given to Moses at the burning bush. And it's the name mm -hmm. by which God said to Israel, this is this is my relationship name to you. This is this is yeah. my this is my intimate name that is shared my covenant name with you. Well, in, in Genesis 1, with the creation of all things, it's it's actually showing us there that it's more of a generic term, if anything, used there. And then it becomes personal through relationship. Yeah. And so those who are not in Christ, those who are outside of Christ, are, as Paul says in, in Acts 17, when he goes to Aragopas and he sees the men who are uh, thinking high highfalutin thoughts yeah, about yeah, this yeah. unknown God. And he says, um, he writes... Uh, 
nor is this God served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he made from one man every nation to mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him. Yep. And so... And he says this, yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And this whole time he's thinking of God, but it's not a father relationship. Mm -hmm, he is, mm -hmm. God is certainly sustaining. He, as Jesus says, that he um, waters the fields, he gives water to the just and the unjust. There is a kindness and a grace that God gives. Yep. But there's a special intimacy that's reserved purely and solely for those who are in Christ. It's the yeah, same yeah. Uh, depth of connection that we see with Jesus and the Father and his earthly ministry throughout the entirety of the Gospels as well, that we are brought up into, that we are united in. In many ways, I've heard, uh, I think it's Bob Inc. even says that, that um, we are, that God the Father sends the Son and the Spirit applies the work of the Son so that we can be brought back yeah. to the Father. And there's, yeah. this, there's this desire for us to participate in the triune life. And that yeah. is what brings us into what we would call the fatherhood of God. That is yeah. an adoption reality. So again, yeah. so we're not losing completely. Like I know we just talked about a lot of things. So we might be thinking, what does this have to do with adoption? Well, adoption itself is saying that we can call God Abba or Father. And that is an exclusive thing yeah. within the new covenant. And that intimacy that we can experience as adopted children yep. is something that is purely a new covenant reality because yeah. all in the new covenant know God yep. and are regenerate and have new hearts and are made uh, to love God um, as they ought. Yeah, that's and that's great. So basically what we're saying here at the end of the day is that adoption, specifically the ability to call out to God as Father, is a privilege that is granted only to those who are united to the Son by faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, brother or sister in Christ listening, that is huge. That is a reality that we need to lean into. Just the simple fact that we can relate to the creator of all things as our father. Yeah. And so be encouraged by that today. And, and hopefully uh, you can just continue to meditate on this. It is a glorious, glorious truth. Yeah, let me say one last thing real quick before we close this out. Jesus, when he teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew mm. 6, he begins by saying, yeah. our Father. Yeah. That, that is, that's the kind of text that we should read, and it should shake the ground, right? Yeah. That, 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 yeah. There's a momentous change, an epochal change, we would call yeah. it, when Jesus the Son is training his disciples, and he says, you walk into that throne room of grace, yep. and you say, Father. Yeah. And that, that reality is a blood-bought, new covenant-based reality because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there it is. What a great note to end on. If you have a question or topic you would like us to consider, then email us at accessibletheology at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail on our anchor page, anchor.fm slash accessible theology, or find us on Twitter and shoot us a, a DM. I don't know how the kids are saying it these days, but find us in any of those arenas. We'd love to hear from you, and um, you can reach out to us in those ways. Uh, but uh, that's all we have for today. And so, as always, we want to charge you, to love God, know truth, and live accordingly.